you're a landlord and you want to get rid of your tenant, how do you do it? That and more in this episode. Hello, landlords. How do I get rid of my tenant? I've had this recently with clients. And you know what's interesting? The So we have a, a number of condos on the market right now in a couple of different municipalities. But uh, speaking to Milton, uh, because I've been, I just updated my client on the status of the market as I do regularly. And there are, are quite a few condos on the market right now, not a whole lot of activity, but it was interesting to see. So I went through every listing to see what the, who the occupant was. And if I, they were tenanted or not. Right. And a high percentage, like far more than half are either tenanted or vacant. So one would assume that they were tenanted. So that's a lot of landlords. A lot of investors. A lot of investors trying to unload their properties. Probably because it's not feasible to carry it, right? I know some people are doing it. Having said that, does it make sense to offload now? In this market or just bite the bullet? In in this market... I guess it depends on the scenario. Like Knowing if, that mortgage rates over the next, hopefully, couple of years are going to come down. Yeah, for many people, that's too long, right? Especially if you carry multiple properties. Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of people who are buying investment properties are leveraging their primary residence to do that. Right. And if they're on a variable rate with both, or they have to renew mortgages on both, whatever the case, uh, gets expensive. Yeah, because if you bought a, if you were looking to buy an investment property over the last couple of years and you met with anyone in the financial aspect of purchasing that, you probably would have been convinced to get a variable rate. Yeah. Especially since your interest is tax deductible. That's actually another thing to consider. Like when you're taking a loss on your investment property, you actually am spitting for some reason. It's a sign of excitement. Yeah. I'm drooling. (laughs) You are deducting that loss from your personal gross income. So you do get a little bit of savings, I suppose. Well, and as an investment, you're... You need these tax deductions because a lot of people may not have the money to pay the taxes on the income. Correct. Because all the money is going towards the mortgage. They need additional funds to offset income tax from that income. So if I'm a landlord and in today's market, the chances that a landlord wants to sell for the reason of it not being financial, are probably slim. It's a very roundabout way of saying it, but yes, I I agree. It's usually being sold as... Right now, 99% of landlords selling is because they have have to for financial reasons. Correct. So how do I get rid of this tenant? Right. So in the past episode, we spoke a little bit more to tenants on how they can get out of a lease. Yes. We're 
Turning the table, this week we're talking to landlords of how they can get out of the lease. Correct. So how does that work? Pay them. End of podcast. Right. <laughs> Cash for keys. A, that was an easy, there's easy a, episode. There's a lot of flack about that, but most of the flack comes from outside of Ontario. And a lot of it is in the States where the laws yeah, let's are preface very all different. This again, as we did last podcast. Yes. By saying we are located in Ontario and what we are speaking about, Ontario, Canada, to our U.S. friends that might think we're in Ontario, California. That's to your north. Yes. Near Buffalo. While some of this information might be transferable to your municipality, it is very specific of what we're talking about to Ontario. So check with your local governing bodies before you take any of this advice. So the reason why, so I, I see a lot of posts when we talk about cash for keys, I see a lot of people posting. I stop, hate that term, by the way, I know, cash for stop keys. Stop promoting cash for keys. The only reason I use it is because just it's, so people know what we're talking about. It's known. Yeah. The reason that we promote it is because there's I really no other. Promote, not suggest. promoted. Suggested as a, a viable, viable option. option. Whoa, jinx, as my kids would say. There's, there's not really an, if the, if the tenant doesn't want to leave, they're not leaving. You can't kick them out. Can you make that as a sound bite? Viable option. The, 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 the stereo aspect of that is probably profound. Yeah. So anyways, let's talk about what options a landlord has. Well, the first thing I'm going to step in for a second, because we did talk about the same thing in the last uh, podcast whether you're a tenant or you're a landlord, so in this case, you're a landlord looking to get out of the lease, sit down with your tenant. This also assumes, to your point, in the previous well, you don't have cast. To slow down. This is the first step. Right. Always. But even backing up prior to this happening, when you, on the onset of the lease, did you start that really as a landlord or a landlord's representative? Did you start that relationship off right? If the tenant had concerns, they had issues, were you there for them? Were you attentive? Did you give them a nice housewarming gift? Can we Did also you, clarify that, that as a landlord, your tenant is kind of like your customer from the perspective of yeah, treat them that way? Right? Yeah. Like that's, don't, that's a great point, actually. Don't, don't treat them as... They are a customer. So some people, You have a product and you're selling it to them every month, essentially is what happens. Right. I think a lot of landlords look down on their tenants from the perspective of feeling higher because they own it and the tenants, they're paying rent. Right. And like they're almost providing them... You're like, my bitch. I'm doing you a favor by taking on this responsibility. Right. That's not how it works. No. Mutual relationship. That's a great point. Yeah. Treat your tenants as a customer, and you are providing customer service. Or are you not? <laughs> are you not? Yeah. yeah, so how did yeah. that relationship start? Or were you butting heads? Were you butting heads right from the get-go? Because that could determine 
the rest of this process and how it goes. If you are an asshole to your tenant, your tenant ain't going to be looking to you to do any, give you any favors, right? Absolutely. But even from the perspective of having a conversation with the tenant to try to amicably resolve the issue. Right. Have getting that them sit down that to heart vacate. to heart. But at the same time, I think a lot of landlords don't possess the ability to, because it's a sales process almost, right? You're trying to sell the tenant on leaving. I think a lot of landlords don't landlords don't possess the ability to have that conversation in a way that is conducive. It's not to a successful outcome. They are not conveying the true benefits, potential benefits to the tenant. Yeah. Well, because the tenant, I mean, you have to think of it like not only are they your customer, but that's the roof over their head. Think of the inconvenience of moving. So I've been in a position where one of my, one of our landlords wanted to sell the property. We had that discussion about how complicated or less appealing the property would be if the tenant was still in place and living in the property. Right. And we ended up providing the tenant a check for two months rent and covered the moving costs. How much were they? The moving costs? Do you remember? Approximately. Less than a month's rent? Less than a month's rent. So that's really good. So it was like two and a half months rent. So it covers first and last for your new property and will cover your moving expenses. They understood and they were willing to leave. Yeah. So I, I And I will just say that to landlords, that might seem ridiculous. That's phenomenal, in my opinion. From the landlord perspective or from yeah. the tenant? Well, so again, in Ontario... So hang on, did you pay one month's rent above the one month's rent that's obligated to be paid? Correct. So two months rent plus a bit more for moving expenses. Correct. That's really good. For I think from both perspectives, it's really good. Mm, I would say that's a more favorable outcome for the landlord. Right. Slightly. But I would say that they, did you negotiate that? Yes. Yeah, I think you did a good job. Oh, thanks. So I have a client who... My uh, rentee. I offered to handle the situation because they wanted to uh, evict their tenant in a property that the tenant hadn't been there very long. But they ended up selling, wanting to sell their house, the landlord, their, sell their primary residence to build a house. And they wanted to occupy one of their rental properties during the build process. And that particular rental was the only one, I think I have two or three. That particular rental was they that's the one they wanted. And the tenant hadn't been there very long. And the tenant moved there because their brother lives next door. Like, you know, tenant really wanted to be there. And I offered to handle the process of talking to them, but they took it upon themselves to do it. And they were successful, but they ended up paying them somewhere in the range of uh, over ten grand or ten ten to eleven thousand dollars to move. How much was the rent? The rent on that I would say is less than three. It was probably twenty five hundred, twenty eight hundred. 
So I think they could have done better, but they, you know, they ended up. Well, it's got to be fair for the both sides. By the way, if you are interested in this topic that we're on right now, you can refer back and watch episode 225, where we specifically dive in to selling a tenanted property. It's titled, Don't Sell Your Tenanted Property Until You See This. Right. Episode 225 of KT Confidential. And you can watch all of them by going to ktconfidential.ca. It'll take you right to the playlist. So one of the best scenarios, probably one of your few options, negotiate, give them some money for them to leave. And then you have to decide, is it worth it or not? Like, what is the reason you want them out? So in this scenario that I was speaking about, where we paid them two months plus moving expenses, we looked at the potential difference between what the property was worth to a buyer. How much would a buyer pay if that property was vacant, but nicely staged, right? Because... Staging looks very different if you can stage a vacant clean canvas versus a tenanted property with mixed matched furniture and et cetera. And we did the math and we figured the home was worth more vacant. What was the percentage, do you figure? Where did we have this conversation? We had this conversation in a recent... Oh, that was for the dog episode. Did I miss that? Was it Steve? Steve, Tiffany, myself, oh, and Jennifer. Four. Two, yes. two podcasts ago, we had a dog podcast where okay. we all around the table estimated how much less a home was worth if... With a dog? With evidence of pets, like okay. noticeable evidence, smells, right. and oh, yeah, yeah. things of that nature. Okay. So in this case, I would say we ballparked about 3 to 5% of value. You're talking back to the current conversation. Current conversation. Okay. So if we sold the property with the tenant and the tenant belongings in the unit versus vacant, nicely staged, we estimated 3 to 5% swing in the value, and this is on a six dollars $700,000 condo unit. Right. So it was favorable for us to cut a check. Was it favorable to them? They actually negotiated. We started well, at... Well, so that was going to be important in mind is expect that. Expect so it. So start low, because they will negotiate. Don't the offend average. them low. No, there's a, you know, start reason. Don't, don't offend them. Cause then they may just put their back up and say, well, right. screw you. They'll get pissed. Which goes back to our episode of, I don't remember which episode it was, but talking about low ball offers and how to handle it. Right. Uh, the same thing applies in this scenario. Are there any other ways a landlord can get out of the lease? Not really, sucker. N- really? No. I mean, it starts with a conversation. The, Again, the, going the, back to leasing a car. Everybody, the tenant and the landlord have their rights and, and obligations under the contract. 
that you have to fulfill. And if you want to break that contract, there's only so many ways you can go about it. But it all starts with having a conversation and hopefully you can come to a mutually amicable solution for the tenant to leave. But you have to recognize that that's their home. That's where, you know, you're up, uprooting them from their home to move to a new property that's probably going to be more expensive. So they've moving costs, increased yeah, monthly expenses. Yeah. And you need to understand the laws. So there's, let's say hypothetically you do this because there are risks associated with it, even if you mutually agree to a price. Let's say you evict the tenant under the premise that, hey, the chances are whoever buys this property is going to want to occupy it because right now not many landlords are buying investment properties. And if that happens, you're going to have to move. We're going to serve you notice to evict you because the new owner's entitled to move in to personally occupy it. So that's the premise of this, okay? So then the tenant says, okay, well, I'll move then, uh, but it's going to cost you. Okay, well, here's the money. And then let's say you sell it. And then the new owner moves in and puts a for rent sign on the on the property. Then the tenant can pursue wrongful eviction. Correct. And then you're on the hook for potentially, I think the fines are upwards of $35,000 at max. And we have seen those fines. Which is $35,000 over the course of a tenancy is very reasonable and easy to justify. Because if you've moved to a new place at a few hundred bucks more, I mean, if they've given you money already to help you move, that can bring some of those expenses down, which I think a court would agree with. But, you know, it's reasonable to think you're going to be in the five digits. Yeah. So, well, if rent on average is 2500 to three grand a month. Yeah. And moving expenses. Like, there's a lot of expenses in, yeah. in this whole process. And time. Yes. Did I have to take time off work to move again? So, I wonder then, as if from, from the selling perspective, if you should include a clause to say the buyer will personally occupy it. I wonder if that helps in protecting you. Well, that uh, in some clauses that is written in there in some fancy way of breaking yeah. that down, but ultimately you don't know until well, and the buyer somebody's living there scenario could change between purchasing and closing, right? So there's a lot of factors. That's that like when it. when people buy their first home. Maybe it's a new build. Maybe it's a home that's closing in three, four months. And in the interim, get hooked up with a partner and move into their place. And all of a sudden, that wasn't their first home. Now it's an investment property. Well, I have a scenario where uh, clients purchased a house. Then we sold their house. But the deal on the sale was a very long closing. So there's a, a four-month bridge, which is quite expensive. So they're contemplating trying to get a rental or rent a tenant into the new place for a few months to offset some of those costs. So that was unforeseen. It was something they prepared for. But uh, in that scenario, Airbnb. Yeah. Any other ways? Any other tips for Are our landlords? To legal scenarios? Well, it could be off the record 
just on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> yeah, no, at the end of the day, uh, in Ontario, you have very few options. Even cash for keys comes with risks. So I think the most important thing or most important part of it is understanding what your risks are and hopefully having um, a good relationship with your tenant where you don't have to worry about those risks or your risks are mitigated. And if you have a relationship with a good realtor, it might be best to have that person be the mediator in some sense and formalize the process. Yeah. Make it somewhat official so the tenant recognizes, oh, okay, this must be serious because they've hired the realtor to take over. And if then the realtor explains to the tenant, listen, this place is going for sale because your your landlord has no choice, has to sell it. Here are the reasons. Please accept our apologies, but this is life. And the next person that purchases this property might be moving in for their own use. So you may have no choice. So it might be in your best interest if we remedy this now. The landlord is willing to give you a check to accommodate your first and last month payment at your new residence and even provide you a little bit of money here to help in the moving costs. And we're looking to list the property on June 1st. I'll leave this with you. Take a few days to think about it. I'll circle back with you in 72 hours. That was perfect. And podcast. And podcast. Now that was good. Thanks. See you next week. All right. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Show us some love. Leave us a comment. Drop us a message. Thanks for watching.